Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of The Charting Room, a podcast where today's hot topics meets mental health conversations. This is Kivan here with a reminder that the views expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests. This podcast is meant to be informative and entertaining and is not a substitute for one-on-one medical or mental health care of any nature, nor the suggestion of any diagnosis or treatment. Remember that only a a licensed provider can evaluate your situation, provide a diagnosis, or render other medical and mental health advice to you. Now, let's dig in. Welcome to the charting room. What's good? It's your girl, Kivon, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. This is Anthony Andrews here. I'm a licensed professional counselor. Hi, this is Dr. Sheree Watkins, a licensed professional counselor. Dr. Phil Murray, board certified adult and child psychiatrist. And we are your charting room co-hosts. We're bizarre. Welcome back, Kay. Hey, the Fab Four is back. But I got to give you all y'all's props. Last week's episode was legit. Yeah, we missed you. I missed you all too, but y'all held it down. And the guest co-hosts. Yeah. She was bomb. Yeah. The truth. She was. The truth. Shout her out again. Like, what's her handles? Um, at Alicia Octavia at Building Endurance PLLC. Mm-hmm. Yes. At Attune. Get Attune. Oh, at Get Attune. Mm-hmm. Get Attune. Okay. Yeah. We'll drop it below. Um, y'all check her out because Sis was spitting straight facts mm-hmm. and I'm loving what she's doing um, in the mental health and tech space. Mm-hmm. Yep. Startup mm-hmm. space. Come on, space. Sis. Oh. I enjoyed <laughs> last week's episode. Um, listen, guys, we appreciate you all's patience and riding with us. Um, even when we have like off weeks, we get the messages of you all like waiting for the next episode drop and we straight up appreciate it Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you all know but you know we are four busy professional individuals and so we take the time out of our week once a week to record for you all so we love the support um definitely appreciate it yes three of us in the room have private practices two of us in the room work in an in a corporate environment and one of us in the room works in the corporate environment and has a private practice Mm, so we busy folk but we want to do this for you all so keep the support up i mean and it's it's kind of fun it is fun it's (laughs) It's like the highlight of my week sometimes these are some cool peeps guys so i'm sure you can tell by the vibes that we give off Mm -hmm. when we're in the charting room Alright then, so we about to kick off what is our season finale for season one. Can y'all believe that? (laughs) Yes. Yo, we literally just did a season of podcasting. We did. We did. did. True, true. Y'all, when you have a vision, when you have a dream... Stop holding yourselves back. Sound like moment of reflection. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, if you want to hold that for the people, yeah, I'm just saying, like, I don't even know if we told you all about how we all met, how mm-hmm. we connected. Mm-hmm. We didn't ever share that story. I don't think we did. 
I think didn't. we just showed um, Sherry that we met at a public outing, and that was it. I don't think we went to Fort Dillon. <laughs> <Public outing. laughs> I'm well, a public event. I'm sorry. That sounds like event. a fish fry. Right. <laughs> hey, girl. I don't even think that's a fish fry. <laughs> or, or, or a vegan-friendly fry. Oh. Thank you I'm, for that. I'm trying to be inclusive. Thank you for that. You found in this thing. You're, you're the Joe Jackson of the group. So. Stop calling me oh, Joe Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying is you brought it all together so you can explain how we got here. Y'all, I cannot stand him. <laughs> like, what, the second time he said that? Yes. The second time I call you Joe Jackson? I think it might have might be more than that. Uh, rest <laughs> in peace to Michael Jackson. Yesterday was his first time hearing uh, the Joe Jackson. Yeah, this is the, oh, first, the first time I said it. No. Okay. You were so aggy, which is appropriate since you're an aggy. Yeah. Um, so. Wait, do we want to go all the way into this right now? I know. Well, should, can we give him like a little bit of background yeah, yeah. as we close out season one? Okay. So, myself, Sheree, and Aunt spoke on a panel back in was it September? October. Mm-hmm. October. Mm-hmm. They did not invite uh, your boy. They did not invite your boy. That's cool. But your boy was there. Yeah. And it was God ordained. It really was. Wow. So we um what was the name of the panel? Oh my God. I forgot. It's on, it's on Instagram, Crickets. but I, I don't have time to scroll. Uh, it was a dope event, it was. for one. It was Glow Candle Bar. Oh, Glow Candle yes. Bar. Shout yeah. out to her. Yes. Shout out to Glow Candle Bar. Yeah. Um, dope Candles. Check her out on mm-hmm. IG. Um, but she actually hosted a mental health event. Oh, for Mind Your Business. Mind, mind Your, your business. business. That was it. Becca? Becca? For, right? <laughs> for the community. No, like Fresh Prince reference. And okay. it was... Actually, I didn't get that reference. Uh, my picture was I trash. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it. didn't last. Swing and a miss. It's about, it's about. And it was so dope. So anyway, we met speaking on the panel. And then mm-hmm. after the event, um, Phil came up and introduced himself. And his, Phil just has great vibes, great energy. I appreciate um, it. And so we all connected, exchanged numbers, email addresses, and had all said that we would get together for lunch or something mm-hmm. in the future. And so I just, my shower time is like my time where God speaks to me and where he gives me ideas. Keep on. And you're so weird. (laughs) And I have sat down on so many ideas and later regretted it. So he gave me the idea for a podcast. Mm. It was a bigger idea, but more to come on that later. We'll reveal that to you all later. But from the bigger idea we kind of boiled it down to a podcast mm-hmm. and I was like well who in the world would I invite to be co-host on the podcast and automatically when I asked that question God dropped the three of them wow. in my spirit wow. like in spirit. Liter- literally in dropped the three of them mm. in my spirit and we hadn't really spoken since the event no we didn't and so I sent them an email like hey let's do brunch we did brunch. We talked about the idea for the charting room. Mm-hmm. They were all excited and on board. Mm-hmm. And here we are at the end of season one. Yeah. I love it. I, I love our 14th it. episode. Wow. We're going to insert claps in our shit now. Say that. Now, so after Say that, that. That pause, you guys are going to hear a clap. So you, if you're listening now, you should have already heard the clap. <laughs> Moving on up, moving on up yeah. to the east side. <laughs> so that's that. We appreciate you all riding with us while we are on our summer break because all of us have families, whether that's children's, cousins, uncles, aunts, 
spouses, whatever. So we're going to take a month off just so that we can reconnect and rejuvenate. And then we are coming back in August with season two with some straight up hot fire. We have some plans for you all. We got some guests. They don't like that I said hot fire. They're cracking up. (laughs) (laughs) Making the van was the bomb. It It really was. Was the bomb. Um, We've got some guest co hosts lined up. We're talking about spirituality. Mm -hmm. We are talking about boundaries. We're going to be talking about sexuality. We are going to be talking about sugar daddies. Sugar daddies. Polyamorous relationships. Yes. All of this good stuff. stuff. So, y'all stay tuned. We're so, so, so excited. Yes. With that being said, Let's kick off this last episode. So, passing the mic to Phil. Oh, okay. All right. So, I'm up. Now, now <laughs> your turn. Now. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I holla at my co-host because there's a new show on HBO called Euphoria. I mm-hmm. uh, heard a couple of folks talking about it and they are like, oh, it's crazy. And so, initially, I was like, all right, you know, it... It might be okay, but I'll check it out. Yeah. Check the first two episodes. The show is nuts. Uh, to say the least. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. all types of... Uh, it, it's basically a mental health themed show, if mm-hmm. there was ever one. Uh, so the premise of the show is uh, the main character... Is her name pronounced Zendaya? Yes. Zendaya. 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 See, mm-hmm. that's what I asked. But yeah, uh, so Zendaya uh, is the star. Uh, it is produced by Drake. I didn't realize that until the second episode. But basically, she stars as Rue, a high school uh, student who basically got out of rehab after an overdose Mm. and so you see her journey but through her lens they tell the story of a lot of other high school students there Mm -hmm. so there's uh, Jules the uh, transgender student Mm -hmm. there's uh, Nate who's like the high school football jock guy there's uh, McKay Maddie there are a lot of characters to keep up with makes me surprised I knew that many Uh, and so (laughs) I think we can just start with episode one uh, because it focuses mainly on Rue and some of her story uh, Mm -hmm. about the overdose and kind of how she got to the point of uh, really just abusing substances consistently. Mm. Um, And and this isn't any, like, you know, we're in high school, we're garden, we're drinking, like... No, they're doing some heavy drugs. Yes. Heavy, heavy. And Uh, some heavy sex. Yes. Yeah, they're doing some heavy everything. Like, It's heavy sex, heavy drugs, heavy social media Mm. and um, um, internet, heavy just um, sexting. It's just a lot. like 2019. Yeah, I mean, I think it's reflective of, Mm -hmm. and obviously, it's not going to be reflective of every teenage experience. Exactly. Just like every adult isn't out there doing it either, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think it does speak to how some teens are living um, in present day. Yeah, I mean, so thinking about kind of, thinking about Rue, since she's the main character, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. what do y'all think about how they showed how she got into using drugs and everything else. Oh, my God. Mm. So can I start off by Please. reading this quote? <clears throat> and, and we're probably going to jump between first and second episode. So if you haven't seen the show, sorry. If you haven't seen the second episode, <laughs> also sorry. <laughs> Check it out. So, Phil, remind me right quick. Um, the drug dealer, best friend of, um, of Rue. What's his name? I do not know his name. I can't remember his name. I can't remember okay. his name either. But um, the drug dealer best friend who um, Rue is close with is also her dealer made a very poignant statement that actually revealed what made her start using drugs. And he did it when he had just given her drugs. And so I'm going to read what he said to her and her response. 
He said, I've seen a lot of people die. I don't know how to help you, but this drug shit ain't the answer for you. Mm-hmm. Her response was, at 11 years old, I watch. I had to watch my father die. Mm-hmm. She said, I remember um, him getting the diagnosis and we were having family dinner and I was laying in the bed with my parents and I ended up having a panic, a panic attack. And she said she described it as all of the air of the universe leaving her mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. And so they took her to the hospital thinking it was something more severe, such as maybe like a food allergy or whatever it was like that. And she said they gave her liquid volume to calm her down. Mm-hmm. And this is her response to this. This is where we talk about predisposition Mm -hmm. where we talk about um, the first taste and that chasing that high Mm -hmm. she said upon getting the liquid volume this is it this is the feeling I've been searching for my entire life she said the world went quiet for the first time and I felt safe in my own head she said two years later my dad died but what stayed was the panic attacks and I finally found my way to live Mm -hmm. I said my god Tough. I mean, and I had to write all that down. Because no, I mean, the other thing is, if we at least first episode, when you look at a young Rue and you see her growing up before her dad gets a diagnosis mm-hmm. or anything else, yeah, you see symptoms of underlying mental health stuff. Yes, you know she's constantly counting what's going on in the ceiling, mm-hmm. can't quite adjust, can't quite cope, mm-hmm. and so I think. Going to your point, Sheree, yes, there is that kind of first taste of things, mm-hmm. but I like the way that they show kind of all of the kids being involved in risk-taking behavior because yeah. you see there is a difference between how the other kids interact with substances and how Rue interacts with substances. Yes. Yes. Overindulgence yeah. and not yes. being able to stop. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I know, especially during when I was in residency, the narrative was switching from you know people just abuse substances for the heck of it to they're trying to treat something underlying mm-hmm. and so with Rue you see her going to doctors getting all these medications coming up but when the volume hits that's the only thing that kind of puts her on the normal track mm-hmm. and so she goes from there and you will see on the show it definitely gets away from her yeah mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know if I necessarily into to backtrack mm-hmm. um, t- before I even go back here I don't know if I necessarily agree to the prescription of medication at her age per the show mm-hmm. as being um, and though it did not show if they did other in- interventions first I have to be very honest it did show that they went to doctors and the doctor's way of trying to help her OCD bipolar all these different titles that they gave this little girl was medication and I think at that age I would I don't know if that was the, the best depiction that they could have showed it may mm-hmm. actually be a true depiction of what some parents actually go through yep. um, so I think that we have to look at that there's some people's reality however I think it also possibly could have been a precursor that set her up also for addiction th- for addiction too alright so I'm gonna jump in mm-hmm. uh, just so I have given cause on the show what did we say she was 7, 8 when mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. so I have prescribed medications for kids that young mm-hmm. and younger but usually the benchmark is level of functioning and everything else mm-hmm. when it comes to so just to you know kind of deliberately dramatize the example so mm-hmm. if she's counting to the point that she's missing school can't get out of the house and things like that mm-hmm. no amount of initial therapy is going to bridge that hump, for sure you know? and I think the same thing with adults where and I think we're real 
most people mm-hmm. on a good day are realistic about love. The medications are just to get you to a point that yeah. you can engage yeah. Yeah. in the therapies and things like there that and go. just kind of yeah. slow it down. So based off maybe just the, the small snippet that they showed on the show, which is that she was, she was counting the ceiling tiles mm-hmm. and wasn't able to engage in conversation with the parents and then it led to an emotional outbreak. Um, would that have been enough? Or would you have to have some more precursors to say, let's talk about some medication? Because functionality in different environments is one thing. Mm-hmm. Functionality in the home is just only one environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think it's more so looking at the frequency that it's occurring okay. and the intensity. You know, mm-hmm. if it's something that just occurs once or twice a week, mm-hmm. then okay. I'd say let's do some therapy. Let's see if there are ways for her to identify her thoughts, change her thoughts, mm-hmm. and find different ways to cope. Mm-hmm. But if it's to the point that it's, Every day, and especially with little kids, if they start missing school consistently despite parents' best efforts, mm-hmm. that's where we more than likely need a more intense intervention. And the mm-hmm. interesting thing is, so when it comes to ideas about substance abuse and predisposing and everything else, mm-hmm. a lot of folks get caught up on stimulants and mm-hmm. ADHD mm-hmm. and everything else. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, yes, those things can be abused, but at least the evidence and data, what so we got right now... A direct correlation? Well, not a direct correlation, but more, okay, so you have this impulsive kid, can't mm-hmm. pay attention, can't attend to anything, mm-hmm. and so the data shows, actually, if they're not medicated and they get to the teenage years, they're more likely to use substances mm-hmm. because as we see on the show and as we've experienced personally and clinically, teenagers are hardwired to go out and just make mistakes. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And so, you know, by God's grace, we all get through that period and we're okay by the time we're 25. Mm -hmm. Right, right. But in those cases where you have somebody who's more impulsive and can't attend and everything else, Mm -hmm. they're just going to try some of anything just Mm -hmm. because, you know, well, I'm sorry, they're more likely Mm -hmm. to try some of anything if Mm -hmm. there's nothing there to kind of help and um, get them to focus a little bit. Ground them. So we seem like introducing it to them early. To let them have that balance before, because a lot of I know a lot of people who uh, will say can't focus. They may try another substance besides a prescribed medication to mm-hmm. to kind of focus. So you're saying like if I, they actually were to get introduced early on, it's like they can know how to do this appropriately versus abusing something later on in life. Well, not necessarily. It'll more so get them to a point where the goal of all treatment, mm-hmm. especially with kids, is to get them back on the developmental curve. Yeah. You know, so basically mm-hmm. yeah. where they're doing okay. the same stuff as mm-hmm. other kids. Mm-hmm. And so ideally, I mean, I guess you could say it will get their risk profile back to yeah. whatever a normal teenager would be. Yeah. So it's not about, you know, getting folks to do medication. It's like, please take these drugs over these drugs. Yeah. It's the same way, especially with you guys, as you mm-hmm. work with adults in substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not you're trading one addiction for another. It's a totally different kind of goal of treatment, yeah. totally different mm-hmm. methodology. And so it can kind of come up. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. So Rue is one piece of the show and them showing like her her struggle with addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the characters that really stood out to me is Rue's sister. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. And her response to the addiction um, and to finding her overdose. Yes. yes. That broke my heart. Speak on Mine too. Speak on Tell the Mine too. So it really speaks to like the struggle that a lot of parents have. Um, because I think Rue was saying in episode two that she in the evenings ended up really being her dad's caretaker mm-hmm. because her mom was working two jobs to right. cover the medical expenses, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we pretty much can see that mom is really working and hustling and Rue and sister are kind of doing life. Mm -hmm. as latchkey kids Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so 
it's interesting to see how we looking at the show can see these areas where Rue could have utilized an intervention mm-hmm. um, before she got to that place. But we're also now seeing where her sister can utilize some form of an intervention, mm-hmm. having found her sister overdosed. Um, and you can just see the emotion when her sister is discharged. And then um, when her sister comes home, when Rue comes home that night and her mom is like, were you using? Mm-hmm. You can just almost see like the life um, draining from the sister's body. And mm-hmm. it's like, ah, you just want to like, get the sister in therapy, get the mm-hmm. sister in therapy because she is aching so much for her sister who is likely like the mom Mom, while mom is out at work hustling. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing for me that I love about the show is if you look at it, Rue didn't come from a broken background. Right. You know, you don't see any domestic violence or right. anything like that. It's just, you know, her brain was wired one way. Life came, and we've talked about it, those vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, unfortunately, the opportunity presented itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way that Kimon is describing the mom, like, yes, she grinds, she works and everything, but she is there for her kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, she's there at every, she's appropriately on route. Like, she's not the blaming her. The best way that she her. can be. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just one of those things. And especially working with parents, you just got to reassure them sometimes, like, look, this is not on you in At the way all. that you're trying to take on show. Now, are there crappy parents? Yes. Mm-hmm. And some is like, oh, it's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, but in this case, that's not it. And it, it just really, I think, helps to take away some of the stigma because I feel like people say like, oh, you know, the family crazy, the kid's going to be crazy. And it's like, no. Like, that wasn't their case. That wasn't all. their case. Yeah. I, I, I'll be, I'm curious to see if they end up getting an intervention mm-hmm. um, for for the sister, some type of treatment, some therapy or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can just see just the heartbreak um, on her face each time Rue has a relapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding you know anyone mm-hmm. having overdosed is traumatic mm-hmm. yes. um but your sister your mm-hmm. sister that you look up to that you look up you can see the admiration mm-hmm. in her eyes and you can see i think in one of the episodes i can't remember if it was first or second um they're riding in the car and she's trying the sister is trying not to smile but mm-hmm. her sister is singing to her and she's just like you know i don't know whether to be happy or can I get happy again? Is she going to mm-hmm. really be here to stick and stay? Mm-hmm. Just those emotions. And I think that on the other side, we as substance abuse counselors often try to make the addict understand that your addiction is not just yours. It's yeah. a, almost like a, a family type of disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you're thinking that, oh, it's just my drug or it's just my overdose, um, the repercussions of what the family has to endure, for example, with her sister is, she doesn't, there's a wide variety of things that probably go on, but one thing that stood out to me is, no, will I find her like this again, and right. this time won't be able to save her. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a lot of responsibility to go into <sighs> a child's For mind. anybody. Anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. But definitely, you know, she's, you know, based on that developmental curve to say that, you know, even as a teenager, to have that much, you know, responsibility to possibly be put onto her brain to say Mm -hmm. now I have to watch my sister because there could be a possibility that I may not be able to save her the next time or Mm -hmm. will I be around to save her or will Mm -hmm. there be a next time that's a lot and can you think about the guilt that that mom is experiencing oh goodness right I lost my husband right I'm trying to be a provider yes the best mom I can be Mm -hmm. yes what does a mom do at that point I think she I'm just saying like period in general general. the mom's gonna need counseling too because just the guilt (sighs) well often we um, when I say we I'm just 
the speaking, but mm-hmm. I think um, people usually go to okay when it, when it's something gets so serious it's like okay let me go to the hospital and that's when I'm going to be willing to accept medication or accept mm-hmm. treatment mm-hmm. Um, but they don't think in a preventive way like we're going to go to therapy we're yes. going to do this we're going to acknowledge that it's a problem and you can be there physically but if you're not mentally present it's like mm-hmm. okay I don't really know what's going on with mm-hmm. my child or know that even asking them to watch somebody or doing whatever is putting this mental pressure on them that yeah. they may break down so I mean, that's, that's one thing because we talked about interventions earlier and everything, but mm-hmm. looking at the show, I don't think mom knew until the overdose. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. And I'm just like, it, right. when I've seen parents come into the emergency room when kids have suicide attempts, write letters, things at school, one of the questions I ask straight up is, did you have any idea this was going on? No. Nope. And a lot of times it's just no. like, yo. I think that creates the guilt. As well, yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. How do how do how do you miss that? Yeah, right, yeah. that living with that guilt. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, I, mm-hmm. I was going to say that in substance abuse um, counseling, we also talk about the roles of um, of the family and addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are a couple of roles, and so um, to share with the audience who may not know, there are six main roles mm-hmm. uh, um, when it comes to the roles of addiction. And I just feel that in certain episodes, as the um, the TV show progresses, I'm wondering what roles is the mother, father, the friend and even her dealer is going to pick up when it comes to the family so you have the hero mm-hmm. you have the scapegoat mm-hmm. tell, tell each which, okay. each role so um, the hero is pretty much is the person who tries to come in to save and fix everything yes. mm-hmm. they try to you know it's kind of like almost a cleaner as I like to say they mm-hmm. come in to fix and clean mm-hmm. and make everything look like it's supposed to be okay, okay. Mm-hmm. then of course you have the addict the addict is the person who's typically the um, person in active use or in recovery okay. um, that name doesn't necessarily any change just because they go into recovery um, you have the caretaker the person who's taking care of the person so when things go wrong or when they get sick or when they come back from you know, long binges and things like that that's what the caretaker does <clears throat> the scapegoat yes. the person who takes all the blame Hmm. Um, who once again sometimes tries to divert the the attention away from the addict like focus on me Hmm. those types of things Um, you have the lost child which can almost be, I think in the first two episodes, the sister, mm-hmm. the mom's so much focused on Rue mm-hmm. that she's forgetting that I still have to raise another child. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And then you have, oh, the mascot, or sometimes, what's the other one that's called? Um, they, they call it sometimes the clown. It's yeah. Really, I can't think of the official yeah. term, mm-hmm. but it's sometimes you have the mascot or the, um, it's another ter- term for the clown. Jester? Yeah, the jester. Uh-huh. And so they the person who likes to be the center of attention, keep everybody happy, mm-hmm. laugh, joke, have fun, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And to distract from, to distract the, from the addict. And so if something happens, they'll make a joke. And so those are the mm-hmm. six types of roles. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who picks up which role. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be what we call your blood family. It's mm-hmm. anybody that's within their circle mm-hmm. who may be impacted by that person's mm-hmm. use. So, yeah. Oh, that will be and um, even I know I was teaching an addictions course last semester, and we were yeah. talking about how the scapegoat can sometimes be the addict as well, mm-hmm. and how everybody is blaming the right. addict uh, for doing um, or causing this harm Massive to the chaos. family. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, so there's two things that happens: either they put it all on the addict, and it you know causes them to use more, mm-hmm. or people don't.
don't want to uh, have the addict used more. So everybody, I mean, the addict never takes accountability for it. So mm-hmm. we don't really say, we don't really tell the addict, no, you don't need to be doing this. We kind of let them get away with everything, mm-hmm. he or she. And uh, then it just becomes like you're babying at that point. Um, and you're aiding the mm-hmm. addict at that point. Mm-hmm. So, and you can have multiple roles in one person. So. Yeah, 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 for I mean, sure. Looking at the show, I think, looking at least family roles with the addiction frame that you just gave us. Mm-hmm. I think Rue is definitely the jester for her family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but I think that's difficult when, you know, she's in trouble. There's nobody to kind of break that tension. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'll be inter- and I really appreciate between the first and second, because Zendaya is doing an amazing job in this she role. She is. Because She's being stretched. Yeah. I mean, because as you're talking about people in the social circle and everything else seeing how she is slowly destroying each of her friendships yes. like uh, her best, best friend, friend uh, since preschool goodness mm-hmm. I cannot remember her name but I just seeing the way that she flips it and goes into blame Katie di- I think that is it I think. Uh, but yeah the way she goes into blame mm-hmm. you know getting defensive and everything else and it's on the drop using of the her time. for urine you know, mm-hmm. like, it's uh, and it's one of those things of especially when you see older well, people who have been enthralled with addiction for years, mm-hmm. they're just like, I don't have anybody else because they burn those bridges. They burn the bridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People will start out and they are with you yeah. as far as they can go. Yeah. But, I think that speaks to the manipulation that we see mm-hmm. also in the episodes. How and it's she, literally nothing personal. At all. Mm-mm. At all. Um, it was when she went to go see the the drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to not to confuse two scenes. But I think, is that his little brother with the tattoos on his I face? I don't know who it is. <laughs> no, it was a little weird. <laughs> no, I just he cuts more than I do. Okay. First off, that little grown man. <laughs> that first like, episode, he was what like, look, is that's this? the problem with you addicts. I'm just sitting back trying to pay my mortgage. <laughs> yes. Y'all just want to have a good... I was like, you nine. You yes. mortgage. With tattoos. Tattoos on your face. Yeah. I promise you, he had like crown teardrops coming out. Yes. I'm like, yes. Teardrops can be crowned. So. so when she shows up to the house and and, and manipulates him, it's like he'll um, the main drug addict will pay for it, yeah. mm-hmm. and she ends up you know running out on that tab, yeah. and then shows up in another scene at the house Ooh, and does that was this. Intense. That one was intense yeah. because she she put herself in a risky. Situation. She did. She did. She starts with the manipulation tactic and then ends up, and like Phil said, in a very risky situation, which we don't even know the outcome yet because episode two closed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think she's going to be all right. The show was around her, so she'll be just <laughs> fine. Um, but I'm wondering to what degree, right? Because this was now fentanyl that she took. Mm-hmm. So now is this going to be a high that she chases? You know, how is that going to impact the family yeah, system yeah. now you know um and you see you see where the uh drug dealer removes the patches that mm-hmm. the yeah dude put on her head honcho put on her and it's like flush those you know he didn't even want her to have the fentanyl yeah. the, uh, mm-hmm. the main addict or the main drug dealer he's mm-hmm. like no that's my sister don't do it um so yeah i'll be curious i'm curious to see what that looks like in episode three and that goes to, to the role that he's he's the provider of the drug but also the caretaker i know mm-hmm. Oh. I love it. I love it. I don't know. Did they show their history? Not With, yet. No, not Okay, yet. okay. Because there's a connection there. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think it's telling that they showed 
if that's his if that's his grandma or uh-huh. his mom in that's in the back yeah. in the hospital bed mm-hmm. in the bedroom that's mm-hmm. telling as well mm-hmm. um, because it shows mm-hmm. really the impact and we don't know his full story but the impact of being a caregiver mm-hmm. what, what that could look like so much preventification yeah and a lot of the roles so from Rue to her sister from the drug dealer to his I guess his mother or maybe grandmother yes they each Rue have to, to her dad yeah yeah. Rue's baby sister to Rue. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 The show's been getting a lot of good reviews um, because of the racial diversity mm-hmm. that it has. Yeah. And it's speaking to, like, the future and Generation Z and how world the world will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wow. think that... Uh, I think someone was saying that um, Rue could even be played by a white boy, and you would never even know yeah, with, with, Rue, a, yeah. with a with yeah. a mm-hmm. tweak of the script. Yeah. Um, and it's not the show is not having anyone have like one real identity that they have to stick to. Yeah. yeah. And when you do that, you, it makes for a good TV. Yeah. yeah. You can switch and, and it's relatable, right? Yeah, exactly. And it really is an eye opener. Multiple roles. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. like Phil said, while every teenager isn't doing this, mm-hmm. and the majority of teenagers are not doing this mm-hmm. there Especially are not to this extent yeah, yeah. yeah there are some i mean the sex capades oh, in the episodes i'm and like raw dog and i'm like where are the condoms at yeah <laughs> i'm just saying so raw dogging can we talk about will will is the football player is that his name no Nate. no that's Nate. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Nate is the angry i like that confidence i like that can we talk about will I wrong his name was will. <laughs> right. man can we talk about nate and his story oh jesus so, starting with can we talk about nate without talking about jules which one is jules the transgender can we get to Jules after Nate okay you want to because I want to talk about I want to talk about Jules do you want to start with start with Jules because we don't know Jules full story all we know is that she's new to the town yes she's happening at home something Something happening at home home. and the dad is full custody yeah out of the picture Mm -hmm. and I think what my first glimpse, like something was going on, was when I saw her give her. She was giving herself the shots. Yeah, the hormone injections. The hormone yes. injections. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, and, and that's so. Going back to Anthony's point about mm-hmm. the reviews and how diverse the show is and everything else, I think they are deliberate in bringing in different identities and narratives, but it's not heavy-handed. Yeah. yeah. And it's I wouldn't have known at not. first. At yeah. all. Yeah. At all. I, I thought he was getting insulin. We, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> And that's the thing. They haven't made it explicit yet. Uh, And I think when it comes to hormone therapy for uh, folks with gender dysphoria, uh, I think in certain states you can get it at certain ages if your parents approve. Yes. Mm. Uh, When it comes to gender reassignment surgery, that's a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. I see. But uh, I read upon it a little bit before we talked today, but as far as hormone therapy and everything else, you can get that without the mental health evaluations and everything else. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think in a lot of contexts with actual gender reassignment surgery that's when you have to get the um, the therapy and everything just to you know yeah for sure sure. Mm -hmm. for sure Um, but yeah it's really interesting I'm just like go dad for being that yeah Mm -hmm. for sure Uh, for sure I saw a post um, probably about a week ago where someone posted um, a little boy in a dress Hmm. and the post was like what would you do if your son showed up at home dressed like this and when I tell you I was so disgusted by the comments that I was like and and people wonder why the suicide rate is ever increasing amongst um 
teens, but specifically black teens. Mm-hmm. It was like I would, yeah, I would like punch him in the head. I would Beat him out of get it. my belt. I would choke him. I, I mean, it was disgusting to see adults mm-hmm. commenting like that about a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it just infuriates me. So yes, kudos to dad yeah. for, I think there's a scene where um, Jules is about to go out, uh. which would then bring us to Will's dad. Um, right. So... Where am I getting Will from? I don't, I don't know. know. There's clearly a Will out there that's raw dogging. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I don't know what's oh going goodness. on, but Nate. 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 <laughs> um, so uh, Jules okay. is about to go out and. Uh, she's dressed up and kind of like it's almost like anime-ish mm-hmm. um, with the makeup and this short skirt I don't know if you guys watch anime nah. Japanese cartoons yeah. oh, okay oh. so her her little style is very like Japanese anime-ish I don't think so you don't think so no. the short skirt the makeup the it doesn't look Harajuku to you <laughs> It's negotiable. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> um, but just to even see how that dialogue mm-hmm. and how dad was like, are you going to wear that all the time? Dress like that all the time? Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is what I like. And he's yeah. like, all right, yeah. fine. I mean, but let's not, I guess the thing is like, it's been, there's been a lot of social acceptance over the past few years. For sure. But it's been a very small window yeah. of that switch. Uh, and I think a lot of folks are still trying to understand it. Yeah. Uh, and I think even just in the past few years, as far as, uh, you know, the expansion of identities that are accepted and everything else, yeah. because a lot of, you know, for a while, folks are just understanding lesbian and gay. And for sure. And you have transgender, you have asexual, you have pansexual, mm-hmm. you have gender nonconforming. It's mm-hmm. so much. And yeah. I think, Honestly, I don't know that I would be able to keep up with it as much if I wasn't in the field. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And I know yes. the field is kind of constantly trying to catch up as well. So, And, and that's why I don't get frustrated. I don't get too frustrated with my parents that come right. in. I had a situation where a kid wanted to identify as transgender. Okay. And, uh, you know, the mom just couldn't understand it. The mom literally said, you know, uh, Mr. Andrews, I've accepted him being gay. And I'm not ready for all of this. Yeah. And uh, you know, you can't expect someone that lived off this tradition for or this this conventional way for, for sure. so long. For and sure. so, you know, you're doing therapy with the kid, trying to process it with the kid and say, and you know, hey, you know, be you and you should live freely in your identity. Mm-hmm. And um so now you're doing double with family therapy, yeah. trying to break something um, with mom and you're and you're literally yeah. you're and you're trying to what you don't supposed to do in therapy at this point you're trying to change someone um, you know mindset mm-hmm. when it's supposed to be able to figure it out for themselves yeah. and if that's never going to come then now you go back to the child to say okay well it may never come from mom right. or it may mm-hmm. never come from dad mm-hmm. but this is how you may can navigate mm-hmm. yeah. and although I, I can't speak to it personally yeah. it's like okay well this is what you could do and you can provide all the psychoeducation you want right. yeah. um, but um, if mom's just not willing to break or dad's not willing to break it puts therapists you know in a, mm-hmm. in a tough position yeah mm-hmm. I think um, as providers, we experience a lot more empathy in that regard because we see the the teens and the kiddos mm-hmm. and the parents that come in mm-hmm. really dealing with um, the emotional discomfort yes. from all of those transitions. And mm-hmm. so it just really makes you 
just so more empathetic and really understanding and just really wanting people to experience peace, whatever that looks like, yeah. you know, for them. I mean, but to go through it, let's not act like, you know, all providers are immune to those biases. And that's true. Else. And that's one that's thing that true. Alicia was talking about last week, just yeah. the role of supervision and mentorship and yeah. everything else. You know, there are certain things that I definitely had to get more comfortable oh, with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, just providing therapy I agree. services and everything else. I agree. So between, you know, supervision, sometimes even personal therapy, when you don't get For something, sure. you know, you just kind of kind of work your way through it. And I think uh, going to your point, Anthony, it can be difficult because you're trying to make somebody change. Mm-hmm. But I think also we have to couch our own frustrations with parents because there is that power dynamic in yeah. there where, yes. you know, realistically, they don't have any incentive to change. And the law actually backs them up exactly. a lot of times. And so you really have to always take as much as you can a mm-hmm. neutral posture because mm-hmm. if we get into, you know, we talked about, you said it, it's an arrogant profession and yes. everything else. And if we get to talking at people, mandating how they have to do, they're not going to come back. No, sure. not at all. And if they can't come back, then we can't do Everybody any work. Yeah. yeah, and it's important just to listen because I, I, I often, I think, parents' feelings get dismissed. Right. Mm-hmm. Only because we say, oh, no, it's 2019 now. Right. You should accept this. No. And like, no, they're saying they're embarrassed. Yeah. They're frustrated. They're... Uh, Not what they know, had envisioned for, for their, their kiddo. Their future, yeah. yeah. You know, for their kid's future. So these are real feelings here. Yeah. And um, so to dismiss them and it's like, okay, well, now they're shut down in therapy like yeah. Phil's speaking to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, but you have to, you know, cater to both feelings in that then bring it all together yeah. so it's difficult yeah so what's interesting about Nate got it right <laughs> um is that it's his dad um and so they show um Nate's the beginning of when he found his dad's you done just messed up the whole dog I did thing. I'm sorry no, no, no. first of all y'all know I'm not really good at <laughs> recapping TV yeah. shows so I'm gonna pass the buck I don't even remember names yeah, and so well. Phil is definitely our recapper yeah. so I will give that we you the recapper and the motivator yeah. so please <laughs> carry on with the story like of. every every he should just like start off with like previously on <laughs> yes because I did go. really just butcher that actually yeah, and, and just fun. gave away all the little surprises. I know. I'm but, sorry. Uh, so, so Jules is on an app. We don't know which app it is, but uh, basically, she's going to meet up with a guy. Uh, so they're chatting back and forth, and so she leaves home, goes out, and this is first episode. Yeah. She goes out. There's this older man there, you know, and he says, "Wow, your generation is so lucky. You basically get to live out your truth." You know, he said, "If you're like me, then you have to live out your fantasies in hotel rooms." Mm. Mm. So they end up having sex, mm-hmm. uh, and you see on the front of his phone a picture of his family yes and so he's married has a wife has a number of kids and everything else so after that there's this huge party stuff absolutely gets out of hand mm-hmm. uh, and then you see Nate so Nate sees his girlfriend his girlfriend wants to get back at him for something so she ends up having sex with a guy in a public place doesn't go over well but spills over in episode two mm-hmm. and yes. so when Nate goes home the same family portrait that was on the man's phone is in his house so it turns out that Jules had sex with Nate's dad. Yes. Second episode, they go through, and then we just spoiling everything. We apologized a while ago, though. It's going to be a spoiler alert. Just make sure we put that at the beginning. Yeah. We tried. We tried. (laughs) But yeah, so then second episode, you see Nate's development and how he finds dad's. So initially, they bill it as dad's porn collection. Yeah. But as you watch it, it's dad's collection of himself on some of those tapes. Oh, Mm -hmm. really? You saw that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And then so it just goes into his kind of sexual development, what he prefers, what he doesn't prefer. And Nate is, the thing is, all of the characters are deep. Like, we have all this to talk about, and it's only been two episodes. I know. How old was Nate when he first saw it, though? I want to say. either 9 or 11. Yeah, yeah. like between 9 and 11. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is just a lot to be watching pornography, period, but then to be watching pornography and, and watching your Starring your dad. Starring your dad and other men or transgender yeah. yeah. And so then you see this evolution where he goes from kind of like this pudgy kid to like obsessed with working Definitely. out, masculinity, mm-hmm. yes, and definitely the definition of toxic max- oh, yeah. masculinity. But that's the thing though, but dad also says to him, like, he you're does. so strong, you're gonna be so great. And then they talk about the dynamic between his parents and his brother, who is the yeah. screw up. Yeah. Uh, and so. Who's yeah. the older brother. Yep. So then dad puts all of this pressure oh, on Nate yeah. to be like the, the golden child, mm-hmm. right? What I thought was telling was how Nate was describing the relationships he has in his family mm-hmm. and how he spoke about his mom. Mm-hmm. Said that he did not get along with his mom. He thinks that she is weak. Yep. That she cannot, essentially cannot advocate for herself. Mm-hmm. She's a pushover, mm-hmm. and he hates that about her. Mm-hmm. And so it got me thinking about, you know, relationships in general and how frequently you'll hear a couple say, like, oh, we're staying together for the kids. Mm-hmm. I'm see. doing this for the kids. And the kids see it, and you at this point, it's not for the kids. It's for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's for you because yeah. your kids are suffering while you're staying in that space. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. I mean, he didn't really outline the real relationship between his mom and dad. Yeah. And so it could just be Nate's perception. It could be, especially how dad is pumping him full of this hyper-masculine stuff. It could yeah. just be his response to women in general. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, they did paint mom as looking kind of weak during the They did. And it, now that you all have enlightened me that that was dad on some of those DVDs, um, him seeing that, I'm sure... He's probably like, yo, ma. That's 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 insane. Yeah, ma. Like, <laughs> you don't know that none of this is going on. Right, right. Yeah. Do you think mom knows? Uh, uh, yes. How are you so confident about it? I think that all women know. They have some type of intimacy. I whether it's that, that he's cheating know. or that he is that um, he flavors that. Huh. I don't know, but I, yeah. most women know if they're once again they have their an inclination. Are strained. But yeah. just to be mm. fair, I mean, at least and yes, it is a show. It dramatizes everything. There's a difference between cheating and that. Yeah, what he's doing is illegal. Let's be clear, okay. Well, didn't Jewel say that she was technically already? She told She's him a twenty two, but is it illegal? She did not look twenty two at all. I, but either way, yeah. he, he wasn't exactly fishing for you know young you know underage people. Yeah. He, he goes for youngish, but at least in the videos, it seems that he's. I don't even know if you call it due diligence, but either way, yeah, it's not, yeah, what you don't know yeah. won't. Yeah, he's definitely preying on people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I don't, I don't think it's you know. Yeah. Jules, obviously that's illegal. I thought his hyper masculinity and the expectations that the dad have on him was interesting with his relationship with the best friend, um, the black character who's the football star. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's like 
he talks about, man, you know, your mom is going to be so happy. You about to sign on this and mm-hmm. you about to be this type of star. And I just think it's just a nice play on the expectations that his dad has on him. Mm-hmm. But he also hasn't been associated with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, watching that friendship progress, but also how he's toxic to him. Mm-hmm. Yes. His expectations, but also how he talks down to him about his choice and the girl and mm-hmm. well, she's a hoe and she's been out there. Um, but also, you, you're not that different when right. you and your girl have been on and off and y'all both have slept with other people, right. multiple people. I mean, but that's social narratives, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Women and men can do the same things mm-hmm. and men yeah. are celebrated for it. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, women are... are sh- yeah. Slut-shamed. Okay. What's interesting, bringing back up his mom, is to see how he then protects his on on again off again girlfriend uh, protect i use you that word use, so yeah, loosely say, that's the word you use. um but he is obsessed Best. with yeah. um being her hero mm-hmm. um and so i think that's so interesting given the dynamic that he has mm-hmm. in his relationship with his mom we see in episode two where um the girlfriend says that she had passed out during the sexual act at the party. Mm-hmm. And so his response to that was to Stuff be, goes left. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll leave you to watch that one. Yeah, yeah. It went all the way left. But he says it a few times in the episode, like, if anybody does anything to her, I'll kill you. Wow. And she's like, ha oh, ha, you're so crazy. And it's like, <laughs> completely oblivious. Which, ooh, I like that you said that. Because sometimes we miss out on those red flags. But let's let's be real. I mean, Nate is a drunk. He can be a little bit hyper violent. Yes, fair. for but sure. I don't think in that because there was no in like there was no kind of duty to warn type of thing there. You right. Because he, he's been saying that consistently, consistently, which is alarming. That that's. But that's the thing. A part that's, of your... Yeah, but that's a part... He's a jock. He's captain. Like, yeah. He, he literally is walking toxic masculinity. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, he's kind of a character. But either way, I mean, there's no way that she had any indication that things were going to go in that direction. <sighs> wow. Watch out for the red flags. Yes. <laughs> watch out for the... It's time for the percolator. Oh, maybe since we're going through that, don't watch out for the big girls. Can we talk about the, uh, <laughs> the thickums that's on the show who are out here now? <laughs> She's a thickums. Uh, she is a little thickums, but... That was not her on that video. Yeah, right. I gotta say, I respect the way that she uh, flipped it on the First of all, the way she okay. said that, I when promise she went you. went to Mac, baby, and just throw it in the back. I was like, okay. <laughs> she, and she flipped it. She did. So let's talk about her. So what is her name? Come well, on, Phil. You I remember forget, all the I forget, names. I, I can't remember her uh, name. She's a virgin. Yes. When we first meet her. Mm-hmm. But her whole group is sexing it up. Yeah. Um, her peer group. And so her friends are like kind of on her about like, when are you going to lose your uh, virginity? Yeah. And so she goes to this party that we keep referring to the same party where Nate gets into it with Jules. Yo, a lot happened at that party. <laughs> yeah. Right? The party was lit. It was McKay's party. Yeah. That's the African-American football star. Black. So it's his house. And so this is the same party where Nate's girlfriend has sex with the other guy in the swimming pool. So much going on. Yeah. But back to 
um, the young lady who loses her virginity at the party. So you see her in a room with three guys and they are like taunting her like, you're not a freak or you're not this. And she's like, yes, I am. And they're like, you're still a virgin. She's like, no, I'm not. And they're essentially like, prove it. And so then you see where she ends up having sex with... Well, actually, I don't think they showed that. She yeah. just comes out yeah. and says, like, I lost my virginity. And all of her friends celebrate her for Yay. it. Um, and so then it comes out that it was recorded. And am I telling it right, Phil? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. It was recorded. <laughs> and so she gets a text message, like, is this you on the videotape? And she's like, nah, that ain't me. But it really is her. Um, and so she goes to the individual who she was having sex with and was like, you going to have to make good on this. Mm. I thought they just recorded it. That's what I said, no? No, you said the person that she had sex with. I thought they just recorded it. I think she, that was... the. She has sex with him, and the twin brother recorded it. Mm-hmm. She didn't go to the white guy. No, she didn't have sex with the white guy. She didn't? I thought she had sex with one of the twins? With one of the twins. I oh. I might have missed it. She had sex with the African-American male. <laughs> <laughs> the twins are black, actually. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought she had sex with the twins, because that's why she took... He, so both of them. They went to Mac, no? I Did know. I miss that piece? I thought they both. But either way, either way. They had sex. There, there was some sex that occurred. So it just got me to thinking about teens and conversations and what is prioritized during teen years and how it's so important to have like healthy relationships in the home uh-huh. in hopes that your teen will communicate with you. Of course, they, we don't all, we've been teens before. We didn't tell everything we did. What's an appropriate um, sex age? Because I was asked this question. Mm-hmm. Like, what's an appropriate sex age? So let me say this. Thickums reminds me of, should we stop calling her Thickums? No, nah, we Thickums. don't know her name. I mean, That's I do true. think we should probably stop calling her Thickums. I think so though. too. But she's talking about she that. Yeah. In the show. She Why did. Okay. Yeah. That's a good thing. Okay. Um, you guys get to use the word. Why can't I? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so she reminds me of me in my teen years. Mm. Me too. Just keep talking. talking. Um, So this need to not be a virgin. I was a virgin all the way up until I met my husband in college. Wow. But everybody around me was having sex. Yes. And so I would find myself doing the exact same thing. Like, oh, yeah, I'm having sex. Of course I am. Um, And so it just speaks to like that narrative where you feel like you have to do what everyone else is doing Mm -hmm. to fit in. Um, And we see that a lot with our teens that we work with Mm -hmm. as well where they feel like they got to do extra to fit into a peer group so that you don't so either you're not alienated so either to do it or to lie that you did do it yeah so that was you too yeah i didn't lose my virginity to my senior year of high school so it was like i had friends in middle school who were pregnant and so my mom was like scared of living shit out of me it was like come home pregnant if you want to in the seventh eighth grade watch this um that's one way to do it i mean she did because she had us at 18 so just like okay you come home if you want to um but literally i I remember for me and my sister we we knew that we wasn't quite ready Mm -hmm. even though we was very much um just just overly sexualized based off of our maturity mm-hmm. because yeah. we were already like by the time I got to the seventh grade I was already five seven 
I was already tall, so I already looked like I was in high school. Oh, God. wow. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, very overdeveloped. And so it was automatically assumed that we was out there having sex mm-hmm. because we were Ooh. developed. Right. That's yeah. a whole nother podcast it about is how we yeah. sexualize black girls. Yes, yeah. yes. That is. And so, um, of course, we had older guys who would come on to us. And I'm just like, no, it was definitely a turn off. But I remember just the conversations of um, even getting ready to go to junior prom. And they was like, yeah, we're going to get this hotel room. I'm like, well, what's going on in the hotel room? Mm. <laughs> I knew what was going on in the hotel room, but I'm like, I don't want to go to the hotel room. So yeah, so, yeah. It was just it's difficult, and I watched her talk about um, her on the TV show and trying to fit in. Like you know, I have done it, or you know, it's yeah. not that bad. And even about her own body consciousness of mm. being yeah. the heavier friend out of the whole crew. Yeah. Yes. In my mindset, if I can go back and talk to my my thicker self, because at that time I was just thick. I was not overweight. However, that mindset allowed for me to create some unhealthy thoughts and behaviors, which led me to full-blown obesity by the time I got to college. Um, I would go back and say... Girl, you thick and you find just the way you are. Yes. And you need a new group of friends. Mm. One who yes. supports that. You know what? You, out of all of us, you the only one that's the virgin. We so proud of you, girl. Yes. Instead of, once again, you need to get like us. No. Yes. Conformity is not a part of our friendship group. Yes. No. Yes. Come on, letters to my teenage self. Yes. Insert yeah. hand claps. Yeah. <laughs> Can you make sure you slow that. down the hand claps with that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. one actually so, was really good. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I probably would say something similar to teenage self. Like... You don't have to lie to kick it. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it people just need to accept bad. you as you are, mm-hmm. and if they don't, then yeah. it's bad. They're not your friends. Yeah, peer pressure is bad. It uh, is. I can't speak to women. It was definitely bad for guys. Well, my experience for guys. Yeah, I, I lost my virginity in the eighth grade. And so what is that like? 12, 13, 12? 12, 13, 14, Just depending on when 12, you started. 13, Fourteen, okay. I believe so. Um, yeah. Which now that I'm thinking about it. Well, anyway, yeah, I lost it in the uh, the eighth grade, but to a much older person. Yeah. Um, wow. So uh, I think she was like a senior in high school. Oh wow! And so I'm trying to think about. It. I may if she gets famous, I may have to um, oh. uh, go back. <laughs> I'm gonna wait to see if she gets famous. Okay. I'll stop. But anyway, you know, my husband had but, a similar story yeah. too. He lost hit the person he lost it. I think she was like. Well, yeah. at least three years older, or three grade levels older mm-hmm. than he was. Yeah. And I was like, and that's what I don't understand. Like, at when I was babysitting, or even had was around younger children, mm-hmm. and I was like in high school, I was I didn't see them like that. I just don't understand. And it's crazy. Like for guys, the pressure was always to make sure you you gotta have sex, or or, or if not, you're lying. But like you guys said, you're lying about it. When you gonna do it? Who you did it with? And this and that, this bragging rights type thing. And that's so crazy. And J Cole came out with a track, uh, "Too Deep for the Intro," where he talked about the pressures of a of a guy going through high school or whatever, and saying that you know it was so it was horrible. But just speaking about you know practice and just practicing on on uh, having sex because you not you don't know what you're doing from the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you do get into a real relationship, you know what you're doing. Yeah. And that first one is usually just practice, and yeah. you're just going through, just doing whatever, because you're pretending like you know what you're doing. Yeah. But you really don't. You know, have a clue. You know, you don't have no clue. Yeah. Um, but I know for guys, it was just an extreme amount of pressure. But we didn't see it as I didn't see it as nothing bad. I'm like, well, hell yeah, we need to you know, hurry this thing up. But yeah. it's just now you're looking back on this, like you wish you would have waited. Um, 
you know, because for something special is what I'm saying. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Did you experience that peer pressure feel? Yeah, I did. Uh, but I think mine was a little bit different. I, uh, I was very late to the sex party. Yeah. Uh, and even then, uh, it was one night I pretty much got trashed. Uh, and then it just kind of happened. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I guess this is where we are now. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like, I'm, I'm talking like late 20s. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, so it was, uh, yeah, it kind of caught me off guard. But, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the weird, not even weird thing. I mean, I'm thankful because I've always had good friends where there would be, you know, joking about it or whatever, mm-hmm. but there wouldn't ever, I think I just had really good friends who respected my boundaries. I mean, I think it's awesome. Also, I'm stubborn as hell, but uh, this is true. I didn't need that back up. (laughs) But yeah, but no, I mean, I had uh, folks who supported me most of the time. That's what's up. That's what's up. It brings up the question how do you talk with teens about sex? I just talk with the teen about sex. And, um, you know, I talked to my nieces and I told them you to make sure that you have self-respect. And I can only give stories about how I grew up and what I knew that boys were after at that point. Now, it sounds like an old man coming. I know what these boys want. But <laughs> but the reality is it's happening still today. Mm-hmm. And um, she on a whole nother level, on a whole nother level. And she admitted to it about some of her friends that got in the same way. But, you know, boys would go have sex with you. They're going to tell their friends. So now it's going to group chats. Mm-hmm. Now 10 people know. Mm-hmm. Now 20 people know. 30 people know. And once you... Are labeled. Labeled. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, then your innocence goes with that, goes away with that. And now you have other people trying you because mm-hmm. they know that that person has sex with you. Right. Mm-hmm. So let me go try to have sex with you. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did when we were in uh, high school. Yeah. Well, but you, but we can't, we respected people. We respected women a different way if we did. She didn't have the reputation. We yeah. wouldn't even approach her yeah. like that. Um, you know. Did your parents. teach the message of like abstinence until marriage or safe sex my mom taught abstinence okay we didn't talk about it we didn't talk about it and it was um i know my little to my older my older brother or my older cousins or my friends and if everybody was talking about having sex it was never like okay well this is how you use a condom type it was like okay they better wear a condom but how do you put a condom on (laughs) or you know what happens you know how do you take a condom off like you know this all these things matter you know um but we never it was never um and i think i remember going to like a sex education class but you know a bunch of kids in there they're just laughing in there yeah um (laughs) you know you're not really and half of them are telling they know already right right right. (laughs) i remember uh, my dad gave me the talk uh, (laughs) uh, i think i was 14 going like a co-ed sleepover Mm -hmm. Uh, and co- what? What? Yeah, no, I mean it was chaperone too. Uh, Even so, nah, it like, like, like you can't. No, I mean like everybody was in the same room and everything else. Like you know, I'm saying like the parents were there too. Like oh, okay, was, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it was you know pretty. Tame. That's still pretty. It, it was pretty tame. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean you had kind of like a lock-in. I was like, yeah, like yeah, oh. church. So, but the girls and the boys were separated. It depends on the locking space, but okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, but either way. Uh, and when he was talking, like, I remember on mine, I was like, well, I guess this is the talk that's happening right now. <laughs> uh, but he was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying do it. I'm not saying don't do it. <laughs> but if you do do it, protect yourself. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so sad. like, that was a, uh, uh, you know, that was a, uh, that was 
So that's good. So he but, did yeah. talk about the the safety. Piece. Yeah, I mean, you know, just trying to be discerning and everything else. Yeah. And I remember, like, my mom and I, we didn't really have like the talk. There was like an article in the paper about some, you know, teenager that ends up, you know, like they're pregnant and yeah. uh, the guy like takes care of responsibilities on it. And my mom was like, "What would you do in that situation?" I was like, "I mean, I guess I'd probably take care of my responsibilities." She was like, "Good answer, good answer." And then no. I was like, "What? It's random." Yeah, very much so. Like I was like, "Was that our talk?" Because I don't know. That that's Thanks fine. for that, mom. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah, I mean, mom. I ain't here making no babies. That's all you get. I ain't here making no babies because I ain't taking care of them. Like, yeah, my mom was a nurse, and so she had abstinence only talk, and then she brought home pictures of STIs. Oh God. <laughs> my, we, me my sister still clown her like mama really the pictures oh I never forget it was like on the kitchen table just like just fear based fear based you have got to be kidding me fear based so y'all came home and there was like a whole little diorama it it, it, it just spread out on the table cause you gotta understand my mom was a nurse my grandmother was a nurse um (laughs) they just so y'all came home trying to get some Capri Suns and some oatmeal pies I'm like like, I think it was like in the ninth grade and I was like, what? This is too much. But is homes, that a vagina? That's crazy. <laughs> homes, like, homes have to All open up films. like that. They have to open up and let people come in and, and be themselves and have these conversations. Like, yeah. back when we were in high school, um, we always used to call it the brown paper bag because you mm-hmm. can go to the health department and get yeah. a bag. Oh, full yes, of, yes, yes. Bag yes. full of cheap condoms. Yes. Now, probably pop for like three yes. strokes, but <laughs> you, from the first three strokes, you knew you were good. You know what I mean? So, the brown, the yeah. brown. Oh, the brown crazy. paper bag, but you never talked about condoms and, and everything like that at home. So the reality is I, I watched Snoop Dogg talk about his son smoking weed, and he said, you know what? I know my son going to smoke weed. The best thing I'm going to do as a dad is make sure that he gets the best weed so nobody put any shit in his weed. He's going to have a good grade of weed, and he's going to smoke properly. Hmm. And and the reality is if you know my kid grows up or if I have a son and he grows up and he says he needs to do this and that okay well you know this is how this is a con if you do you need condoms are you, yeah. or do, you do you need condoms are you yeah. about to do this right now because you don't have to go to the health department yeah. you know so that's the type of relationship you want to have with your son if it if it I want I want it to be comfortable enough to have that if it yeah. comes I can yeah. I can open that up at a certain age like and I don't know if it's a you can tell like even even with uh, you know younger family members or whatever, you can tell like if you if you having sex or you talking about sex, or you trying to have sex, and people asking questions or they're looking at things, and if they're only if they're not talking to you, they're the learning from friends mm-hmm. or social social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, you got to have that awkward moment in the car ride, like mm-hmm. having sex. It's like oh okay. Here I had a sex talk with my brother. Oh yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Me and my sister both did. So before I came into counseling, I was a sex educator. So my brother's twelve years. We're twelve years difference. Mm-hmm. So and then on top of that, he came and started staying with me and my sister in the eighth grade because he was getting in trouble mm-hmm. back at home. Mm-hmm. So by the time he came down here in eighth grade, he was like, okay, are you having sex? And they like, no, 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 no. I said, well, we we about to have this talk because by then. We was already teaching it, so I brought the whole sex kit home. You no, know, the wooden um, penises and the female vaginas, condoms, mm-hmm. dental dams, birth control. Brought, you know, we went over the whole kit where we would normally go over in our health one thousand classes that we was teaching. And so he was like, "I said, ask any of your friends they need to listen to." That's real. Just that's because real. Um, you know there's certain things even in sex ed that's taught in public schools that's not necessarily taught. We don't talk about dental dams and those types mm-hmm. of other types of barrier methods. And so I wanted to. Make Make sure that the he woman's was, always yeah. the best. And I had to make sure that he understood that, you know, the condom is great. 
But don't forget, there's still some STIs yeah. that just come from skin to skin contact. Yeah. And yeah. I said, you have to go down there and look at her, look at her vagina. You get do. the flashlight. Get the flashlight. And he started laughing like, no, I'm, I'm serious. Let me explain it to you why you need to sit there and look at it. Once again, you want her to be able to look at your penis too. Make sure you ain't got no bumps nowhere. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so having that conversation with him, we wanted to make sure he was empowered. So that way when he was ready, even, I said, you can text me. You can leave me a sticky note. Just sit there. Cold word is ready. So yeah. that way we can make sure you have some condoms in the house. Yeah. I'm going to have a talk with you, but you still have to communicate when you're ready. So that way we all be on the same page. Yeah. A lot of pressure. We really, Thomas and I, um, when Trent started getting older and TJ, we um, always said that we wanted to just have like an open dialogue like we don't want them to feel awkward when they're talking to us um we just wanted to be open mm-hmm. and so the message of abstinence was like preached in my household growing up um and I don't know how, I, I I don't know how effective that was you know it was I lasted a long time I can't say the same for others but um it was preached. So Thomas and I have tried to take the approach of if you're getting to that space, just let us know so that we can make sure you have everything you need to be able to make an informed decision mm-hmm. and make a safe one. Yeah. Um, what about what about like introducing that stuff to them even if they don't say that they're ready for that? So because they may if they let's say they don't like feel comfortable. Prevention. Yeah, prevention. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. don't feel comfortable talking to you about it. They already have the knowledge regardless. So we did that. We gave the knowledge about condoms, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there are other steps that I think that we should also take, you know, birth control, things uh, like that, yeah, yeah. that I, we're just not going to freely do that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So That's I, like saying, here, go do it. Yeah, yeah. The goal is just if... Let's just have a conversation. Yeah, let's have yeah. a conversation. Like, I don't want to scare you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use any, like, crazy tactics. Mm-hmm. You have a body. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to listen to, like, sexuality um, mm-hmm. therapists. I'm not one. But I love to listen to them talk about the body and how we all have, like, natural desires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to try to tell a kid, like, you're a kid. You don't have those desires. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Instead of just having a conversation with them about when your body feels like this, it feels good. Now, let's talk about about ways that you can you know handle yeah, that that's, that's real and uh, after like back when I was growing up um, well I had older cousins and everything I was introduced to pornography really early you know mm. what I mean so I'm talking about VCR porn like well, I mean, we it. also grew up in a time that VCR is like. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying, but now it's, com- it's, it's completely different. Why you ain't let him tell his story? And no, no. I mean, I just had to make it clear. You know what I'm saying? Because he's making it seem like you know the VCR came VCR. from out of the dirt. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah, like, like people, time uh, capsule. Your cousins are still watching VCR no. porn. That's a totally different situation. That was some of the best porn. They VCR need to go porn. fund me. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, the porn, the pornography. You have these unrealistic expectations of sex. Yeah. Um, first they of touch all, on nope. that in the show. They sure did. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's wearing condoms yeah. in uh, the pornography. Yeah. Um, then you just you you you're trying these things and you're thinking this thing is real yeah. and and whatever. So if that's your teacher, then that's your teacher. But now I'm looking through like Instagram, whatever. I'm saying, man, there's a lot of like you scroll through Instagram, it's all nudity. It's like asses everywhere. Mm-hmm. You just like for a teenager, like music video, music video, mm-hmm. like. 
I scrolled through. I can't even. Have you seen the new press video? Even, yeah, the press I, video is. I just saw a snippet. I was like, well, damn. What's that? I was in class. Press the with press Cardi B. Cardi B. Oh, I she's completely seen it. naked. But I was in class yeah. one day, scrolling. I was like, damn, I gotta look over my shoulder because it was just so much ass. Yes. Then I had to check myself. Well, I must be following this ass. You know what I mean? So now I say I have to say, well, from any ass that's posted in the shade room, any models, whatever, you had to check yourself. So if you, so you see, I have a, a younger teenager. Um, it's like he's, I guess, technically my cousin on my wife's side. Um, but uh, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, I'm seeing him. He's liking every picture, every picture, ass, ass, ass. I'm thinking like, from a teenager, man, like you seeing this every single day. Mm-hmm. And so all you, all that's on your mind is sex. Yeah, I, just, yeah, I think social media. We need to have a conversation about that. Yeah, because we were just talking about our little corny peer pressure, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds so corny in comparison to oh, like yeah. the access that teens have now like Everywhere. right at their hands on their iPads Everywhere. on their mm-hmm. iPhones I mean that's it's just tools to do stupid stuff more efficiently yeah uh, I mean and the other thing is if you think about it we're talking about getting the sex talk and everything like there were limited places to get information when we were coming up for sure you know now because the internet really hit I remember like we had a computer at the crib mm-hmm. between 97 98 but really yeah. you know you, you ain't gonna get that much stuff on dial up right you know right right, right. Uh, you can get a little chat a right. little AOL chat right. room you know so but only if you got the CD-ROM in the mail because wasn't nobody paying mama's paying for the dial up yeah, no. nope. you want $20 how often? Right. But you're getting a 4K HD porn for free now. Yeah. No, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's one yeah. of those things where, you know, like back when we were growing up, and I think that's the other thing because parents still have this frame of reference where, you know, the internet is just used for their daily stuff. But it's like, <laughs> right. right, no. Like you have to put yourself in the shoes of basically being a kid yeah. who understands this stuff much better than your parents. Yeah. And you have the disposal of all of Earth's accumulated knowledge at yeah. your fingertips. Yeah. And so we're still walking around thinking that kids are not getting this information if they're not talking to us so they just have one or two friends and it's like no actually they have they world experts mm-hmm. you know however you want mm-hmm. so it's just like alright at this point even if you're uncomfortable you gotta have that conversation right. you know it's a harm reduction thing yep. like, hey make sure yep. you're getting at least good information yep you gotta have that conversation I think even in the TV show I think the interesting part that they mentioned was about the point of how when um, the athlete um, was talking was having sex with the, um, with the girl he was choking her mm. and being very rough and aggressive and she's like what are you doing and she was crying and she's like you know why, why why did you do that to me and his assumption was he thought that that's what he was supposed to do right because in almost every single video like choking and like women like that I wish I mm. would no um yeah no, I'm not talking about like no choke choke but no but in the <laughs> Good night. No. <laughs> Parents no. have talks with your kids. No, no don't even no. go down that. Don't, don't even go down that road. Don't, don't even skip no. down his no. road. We're here now. Don't skip down We're his road, now. Ray Ray. Don't We're skip down his road. I'm not talking about like no, I can't. Ray Ray, breathe. don't go. No, don't. no, Ray Ray, don't that's go. That's not acceptable. Don't go. See now we're no uh, now we're you're, talking, you're, right yeah, now we're yeah, talking yeah. about having consent with your partner exactly. conversation exactly. ahead of time exactly. and they demonstrate exactly. that on the show. Oh, yeah. Don't and go. No, you stop. He didn't we have brought consent. Yeah. Well, we off. Well, yep. No consent. Consent's important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for reeling that all the way the freaking. <laughs> Call in with your stories right now. Nine one zero six two zero. Look, you sign up for my sex class, and I'm about to yeah. So that way you can get educated, get free. Well, let me tell I you, can't you're wait. gonna have a a lot of women in there that say, "Hey, 
I like a hand right here on my neck. Look, I'm not. It's not like I have never heard that. What yeah. I'm he saying is, it the it's the perception <laughs> that all the way. Like that's, pornography is what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What yeah, yeah. Oh, we're on the same page. We're on the same yeah, page. that's all I'm saying. We're on the same. Yeah, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. We don't know same page. You on your own page. No, no, no. We're on the same page. That was actually reconciliation. Okay, we reconciled. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Like. Listen, we promised y'all when we did our intro to the charting room <laughs> that we are real. Um, and we getting up off the couch to bring, you know, mental health, hot topics, mm-hmm. reality conversations to you all. I think sometimes people think that therapists are like, you know how you have this vision of the pastor? Yes. That the pastor does no wrong. Depends on the pastor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely depends on the pastor. Um, the pastor does no wrong. The pastor, how could you? You you are the pastor. Mm-hmm. And I think people have that perception of therapists. Like, we don't struggle. We don't. We don't cry. We don't cry. No we don't live don't life. We don't have sex. We don't have don't drink, challenges don't at home. We don't go to the club. Nah, bruh. We're humans too. I got prayed by the stork. Oh mm. yeah, just come and dropped it. Boop. <laughs> and the Bible talks against bestiality. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's, so it's time to go, y'all. Euphoria is a dope show. Definitely check it, it out. Is, it Cut is the check, great. It Cut the is check. intense, though. Like but here. what I will say though is that. The only critiques that, that's really widespread is for from some older viewers and some yeah. also some older critics. I guess. Yeah, and yeah. I, I can definitely see that they don't necessarily see this as plausible or realistic in today's society. Yeah, so out of touch. Yeah, very out of touch and very sensationalized. However, um, if you're trying to get some different perspectives and you just really want also a good drama, a good show to watch, it is. It's intense good. now. Yeah, it is. And you, I had to close my eyes a few times. I was like, oh, oh my pure yeah. eyes can't see this yeah <laughs> but listen we, we, need, we need everybody to go to our um, Instagram page make sure that you follow the charting room yes um, tell a friend repost tell a friend it. yeah tell a friend tell a friend tell a friend make sure you repost subscribe I mean do everything you can to you know uh, uplift us yeah so continue to put this stuff out so we, we listen we're gonna do some community events during season two, we're going to do some live recordings. And we are, I think, going to officially try to go live during our recordings so that we can get some feedback from our viewers. Some live questions, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. That would be nice. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So we are so excited for season two. But shout out to the listeners for riding with us. Like, I, I always am so um, just inspired by the support that you all give like the dms the text mm-hmm, messages mm-hmm. like y'all y'all would keep us going mm-hmm. so you the real MB- mvp mm-hmm. um we appreciate you all and we are so looking forward to coming back with season two hey drop us a line and let us know what y'all want us to talk about um in season two we want to hear from you all yes what do you want us to talk about what has worked for you as a listener what are you like y'all need to do away with this be nice to us though y'all be nice um but let us know we want to hear from y'all because we do this for you all yes with that i feel like that was like the third time i popped um my lips today yes it was it was, it was. <laughs>
we got to promise you each other right now on this show that we're not going to do any solo albums while, while the season break is on. That yeah. promise might be for yourself because I think everybody else is Gucci on that. <laughs> oh, the charting cubicle? Yeah. No, I'm still doing that. <laughs> what? The charting cubicle. Funny. Can we cut the episode? <laughs> the charting cubicle. You're going to say it five times. Let's, yeah. let's just... But no, seriously. Okay, he has been this And y'all, this is my last name. I'm sorry, y'all. Y'all, um, please go and repost the charting room. And if you do that, then you will get a discounted headshot. Oh. From Tony Drew Films. Ooh. Wait a minute. If you're in the Charlotte area. And I said discount it. And then that could be <laughs> a dollar. So you're not going to give a free one if the people repost? Like whoever. I can't do free. Okay. But I will do half off. Would you let him run his own promotion? I'm sorry. I will, I will do half off. <laughs> Good. Um, Maybe we should just do a drawing who, um, and then do mm, randoms. So yeah. that way we and can then get. You can do a free. I will, yeah, if we do the drawing, I will I like do a that. free family shoot. Or something like that. I yeah. like that. Let's so maybe do it. Relaunch, but you got to follow Tony Drew Films as well. I think you should follow, tag, and like do a couple of things. So we can yeah. come up with the criteria. Okay. All right. So yeah. we're going to put the criteria when we drop this episode. We are going to put the criteria yes. on our Instagram page. Yes. We are about to kick off our first giveaway. And it's a photo shoot. And Tony Drew Films is pretty dope. He actually yeah. did our pictures for our charting room logo. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, new photo shoot. We do need a new photo shoot. So, yay! Make sure you like, tap, subscribe, repost, Mm -hmm. share, all of that. And with that being said, we are done for season one. Can you leave? Can you leave us with some bars for the season? We always Ooh. talked about your bars. But we talked about your bars while you was gone. Yeah, we Phil know. is so over us because we keep closing, but we don't close. But give me, give me a beat. Give me a beat. Give me a beat. I don't co-sign these bars. You don't co-sign the bars. Just sit back and relax. I'm relaxing. Just I don't. I don't have a beat. I need a beat. You need a beat. I need a beat. Come on, is the table here? You have nah, I'm not speaker boxes. No, it's not God's it's not will. Me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you a beat. Hold on, one minute. Season one of the charting room is wrapping up. We appreciate your support and all the good luck. Uh-huh. We're coming back with season two. Uh-huh. Grab your kids, your mama, your purses too. We like what we do when we're in the charting room. We bring hot bags mm. every week. So, from us to y'all, uh-huh. this is a wrap. Yeah. Wait for season two when mm. we come back to speak. Yes. <laughs> if you're listening to this, if it makes it, <laughs> then it has made it. Y'all, Phil is dying over here. <laughs> and the vote count was three to one. Three to one? Mm-hmm. So, do I get X's or greens? Good night, y'all. <laughs> Until August. Sheree's about to have a baby. Congratulations in advance to her for her safe delivery. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So we.